Good Samaritan and Build Your House Upon the Rock are stories that present divine morals for daily living. Join us as we discover God's truth through the stories in Luke. Good to be back. Uh, thank you for the, some time to uh, recuperate. And I just love the church. I love Cornerstone. Uh, it was good to be with our family. My mom celebrated her 87th birthday. Two of our granddaughters, yeah, two of our granddaughters, same day. We celebrated one and three on their uh, life list, I guess. I don't know what you call it. But anyway, um, we had a great time and uh, went to Destin, Florida. How cool was that? Man, have you, anybody ever been to Destin, Florida? I mean, the water's like really clear. I couldn't, you know, you could see the sharks as they came up to bite your feet off. And it was just, it was so thrilling. Uh, but anyway, I love being part of Cornerstone. We had a great time with family. Uh, we had a great time relaxing. But I miss my church family because I love them. And I'm, I'm loved by them. At least I hope I am. And uh, you don't have fried preacher for lunch, do you? Just, just asking. Okay, so anyway, uh, we are in this series, More of the Story, and Larry kicked it off last uh, Sunday, so thank you, Larry. Uh, I'd like to begin with another story today about Robert Leon Davis. He says about himself, I was born the eldest of nine children in a poor family living in New Orleans. We were raised by my maternal grandmother, Aunt Tessie, and we attended church regularly every Sunday. So here's this young man uh, growing up uh, without a father, without a, a mom that was in and out of his life. And uh, he has this, this maternal grandmother, Aunt Tessie, that's quoting to him and his siblings scripture every day. He's the oldest of nine. Uh, quoting, to, quoting to scripture to him, taking him to church. He had a drug problem, right? You know this, right? You know this joke. He was drugged to church, right? Every Sunday. And uh, so he was, he was immersed uh, into uh, God's Word and church and, and all the things that surround that. But as he grew up uh, and a teenager, he was influenced by some of the other peers in his life, began to boost cars and get involved in other crimes, and uh, really uh, was in a lot of trouble with the law. But his parents, uh, I mean, his, his, his Aunt Tessie and others who loved him, did not give up on him. They prayed for him, and this guy who's involved in criminal activity actually turns his life around and decides to become a police officer. So he goes to Lowell University and uh, graduates, uh, joins the force in there in New Orleans. And on day one, when he's on his job, he's riding with uh, another officer uh, who is on the take, so to speak. They're shaking down people, and, and he knows this isn't right, and after a couple of weeks of this, he goes to his commanding officer and he says, hey, man, this stuff's going on in, in, in the force and uh, you, you need to do something about it. And he says, we're going to forget we ever had this conversation. Uh, there's nothing you can do about it. If you try to do anything about it, it'll be the end of your life. And so what happens to Mr. Davis is he begins to be involved in the criminal activity that he's immersed in all around him. And, and so uh, he becomes really good at it. Uh, he becomes really good at being uh, an officer on the take. And then he's busted in a sting operation by the internal police force of his department. And uh, he's going to jail. He's going to Angola, which is a, a, a really rough prison at the time. 
and he hears uh, through some prison guards that they have uh, the Angola inmates, 25 of them that he put there, have a welcoming party for him. It's one day long, and he knows that if he goes there, he's going to be murdered uh, on day one, and so he decides to run, and he runs all the way to Canada. 100 miles west of Montreal, he finds a big patch of woods in a forest up there, and that's where he will begin his new life, uh, living on the run. Now, Leon had, uh, I should say, Robert Leon Davis. I like the word Leon. If I ever have a, another child, honey? No. Uh, <laughs> all of us have had storms in life, right? Uh, my wife has a storm almost every day. It's called her husband. Uh, he, uh, Robert grew up in, uh, in a rough part of New Orleans without a dad. That's a storm, right? Some of you might connect with that. Uh, grew up not being raised by parents or by parents that were uh, not very loving, not very supportive. Um, and then uh, he tries to turn his life around, but when he goes to work, he finds out that people at work aren't honest. Does that happen? You go to work and not everybody you work with is honest? Yeah, it happens. It happens a lot. And so he faces these storms in his life, and then he gets involved in criminal activity, and there's consequences to those choices, right? There's consequences to our decisions. And so all of us can relate to some degree to understanding there's storms in our life. Some of them we're just recipients of because we're nearby. Sometimes there are storms that we create on our own, right? It's like the hurricanes that are moving in, you know, uh, they're not, they don't discriminate. They, they, they blast everybody with rain and wind and power outage. Everybody's affected. Not just the unrighteous, but the righteous as well. Here's the point. The point is storms come to everyone. And they affect us all. And sometimes it's by our own choosing. Sometimes it's just because where we were at. We were just in close enough proximity. And, and, and so uh, everyone will face storms. But... Here's the good news. We have a Savior who has given us the ability to not be swept away by the storms. Jesus has taught us morals. Now, does anybody think our country needs some morals? Or our world, for that matter, right? Not just our country. Like, it seems like there's a morality crisis going on. Well, as Christians, and if you're not a Christian, just listen in, and, and you don't have to buy into this right now, but I'm, I'm encouraging you to, to pay attention. We believe that there's a moral lawgiver, the Lord God, and that He's the source of all divine truth, and that there's an absolute truth unchanging, and it comes from the Lord Himself. And so Jesus, He teaches the morals of uh, morals in, in these parables. He, he teaches in, in, in outside of the parables too, but... But uh, I don't, depending on how you count, there's about three dozen parables in the New Testament. Uh, there's four Gospels. That, those are the stories about Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these parables are generally not more than 250 words in total length. And rarely does he use compound words. The source of all truth, Jesus, right, uses very simple language and explains these divine truths that will change the direction of our life, that can transform a life. He teaches in very simple concepts that people could grasp. Isn't it great to serve this kind of a God? That He's not making it a mystery uh, about how to follow Him, that He's presenting to us truth for transformation that we can grasp. 
Now, we, we're going to look at, at, at the end of a sermon today, a Sermon on the Plain. And we're going to look at the, the spear, the, 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 the point of application. That's all we're going to look at today in Scripture. And what Jesus is going to do, he's going to compare two builders. So let me just give you a little bit of a word picture. Uh, he's going to describe two people building a house. And as the houses go up, they look identical. I mean, when you stand back and look, you say, these houses are the same. But there's something very different about the houses. That It's the foundation. And so here's what Jesus is going to do. He's talking to Jewish people. He's talking to Jewish people outside of Jerusalem in the region of Galilee. And, and what he's going to explain to them is he's, he's like, look, there are two types of people that I'm talking to today. He says there, there are people who believe in God and obey him. And there's people who believe in, God, believe in God and don't obey him. Here's what Jesus is not comparing Jesus is not comparing an atheist who doesn't believe in God to one who, who does believe in God. He's not comparing that type of person. He's comparing people who claim to believe in God and are building their lives or not building their lives on the word of the Lord. So let's read together then Luke 6, beginning in verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my word and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid a foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. Now, this is God's Word. This is His revelation for us today. And so here's what I'm saying. We have just heard divine truth. It's like gravity. It's unchanging. You can't make this stuff up because it has a source, the Lord. And it's always going to be true. That's what we call it. This is God's word. This is truth. And so as, as believers, as Christians, we say, okay, the Lord has spoke to me. And he is speaking into my life. And by paying attention. So there's two builders building very similar homes. As the homes go up, you can't tell them apart. But underneath each home, something is very different. And that's the foundation. Foundations are important. Here's a picture of the skyline of New York. New York is a very fascinating city for many reasons, but what's one of the most fascinating things about the city, I think, is the city beneath the city. There are thousands and thousands of, of, of sewage lines and water lines and computer lines and gas lines. I forget how many thousands of miles of lines run underneath the city. Uh, there, there are uh, uh, 722 miles of subway track underneath. The city. There's 9,000 manholes in New York City. What in the world? I mean, 9,000? That's a lot of manhole covers. You know, that's just, that's just amazing. And so beneath all of this is Manhattan bedrock. Uh, and, and, and so everything that's of any size has to find its way down 
to that bedrock to be built on solid ground. At one time in New York City, the Woolworths building was the tallest building in New York City. Does anybody remember Woolworths? Show of hands, all right? You remember going there getting a soda? Uh, my dad used to shop at Woolworths on Christmas Eve. He went shopping one day a year. I love this story. Maybe you've heard it before. Uh, my dad went shopping one day a year. Do you hear me? He went shopping one day a year, and it was Christmas Eve. And it was usually about 6 p.m. after he got off work. He'd come by the house. Come on, son, we got to go buy some presents. And we'd go to Woolworths. And he always bought mom a yellow cotton dress, like every year. She had, she has, I don't know what she did with those. She never wore them. But uh, anyway, uh, my dad would shop like this at the end of the cart and then check out and then we're home. I think that's the way dad should shop, right? right? Anyway, Woolworths, one of the tallest buildings in New York. And um, they had to dig down 160 feet through earth before they found Manhattan, Manhattan bedrock. And then they had to drill into that bedrock 90 feet down, 60 pillars uh, that they were, or pylons that they were going to pour concrete uh, up to, so they would have a foundation for this building. Here's the point of this illustration. Foundations are critical. If you're going to have a solid building, you're going to have to have a great foundation. If you're going to have a great life, you're going to have to have a solid foundation. And so Jesus' teachings, The words Jesus speaks becomes the bedrock for any and every life. Build your life on a solid foundation. Some of you say, I don't want to build a life. You got to. You have to. You got to get up out of bed. You got to go to work. You got to raise kids. You're going to build a life of some kind. Build a solid life. So that when storms, because they come to everybody, right? Storms come. When the storms come, you won't be swept away. Earlier in this sermon on the plain, Jesus says this. This is a New Living Translation, verse 39, previous to what we've already read. He says, can one blind man lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? The answer, yes. Students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. Here's the point. Jesus says, pay attention to whom you are following. Everybody's following somebody. Oh, no, I'm not, preacher. Look, look how I'm dressed. Look, 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 look what's going on here. Nobody's like me. No, there's somebody like you somewhere, and you picked up that stuff along the way somehow. I mean, all of us are following somebody. It's, it's ridiculous to say, no, I have no influence. I'm completely objective. I'm making all these decisions on my own. I, I'm not following anyone. It's just me. I do it my own way, you know, like uh, Frank Sinatra. I'll do it my way. No, you didn't. You did it like the rest of the world's way, and you failed miserably. Your life was a wreck, right? So here's what I'm saying. Like, all of us get to choose whom we're going to follow. So for following somebody, it's critical that we decide that person knows where they're going. All of us have, here's counselor talk for you, right? Life rules. All of us have a set of life rules. We all do. So some of us have picked up our life rules from mom or dad, or grandpa or grandma, or aunt and uncle, or our peers, or, or, or someone. All of us have picked up some life rules and we've carried them along. Sometimes we don't even know we have these life rules until someone challenges us 
on why we do what we do. Like, why do you always do it that way? Well, uh, dad did it that way or mom did it that way, right? One of my life rules is not shopping at my, for my wife at Woolworths. I didn't pick that one up for my dad, right? But I did pick up a short temper sometimes. My dad had that. I, I, I mean, we, we pick up these things. Sometimes we pick them up by choice. Sometimes they just, you know, by osmosis, they just come into us and we just have them. But all of us have a set of rules we're living by. All of us do. Here's what I'm saying. If mom or dad weren't perfect, and they weren't, if grandma and grandpa weren't perfect, and I know this is going to hurt, and they weren't, we think they were, they were the most godly, oh, good, I hope they were godly all the time, but if they were honest with you, like I'm honest with my grandchildren, I don't always have it right. Papa's not always right, right? My grandsons are 11 and 12 now, and I'm starting to have those conversations with them about following God. Because they love me, they should, right? I, I'm one of the great, greatest papas ever, you know? I'm not. I don't have a tractor yet. I think every papa has to have a tractor. I, I go to Dennis Tucker's house and say, hey, where's that big green thing? I want my grandsons to sit on. Anyway, what I'm saying is, like, I'm having those conversations with them. Why? Because when they were in third and fourth grade, they saw porn on the bus. And when they're now in middle school... Their, their friends are like pulling porn up on their phones during class. Like they see that. They need to know that their peers are not a good source for life rules. Right? I followed my peers when I was an adolescent. What a stinking disaster. What a mess. I watched the movie Animal House and I thought that's what college life should be. I was that dumb. You, you know, my... I'm sorry to offend any younger teenager, but your brains don't finish forming until you're 25, 26, all right? So literally at 15 and 16, you need a lot of outside guidance and help. I know you don't want to hear that. I know you refuse to hear that, but you really need to hear this, that we are here to help you as parents, grandparents, elders, teachers, preachers. We are trying to guide you through some very difficult moments in your life. It's not that you're dumb or stupid. It's just that like, hey, our brains have formed, Right? And we have some good things to say into your life. But all of us humans have to bow the knee to the Lord who is the source of all truth. So if our source of truth is not coming from the Lord, it's foul. It's tainted. It's maybe even toxic. And that's why everyone needs to turn to the Lord to build a solid foundation for their life. Because he's the source of truth. Now, why? Why follow Jesus? So if you're not a believer, here's why. He came from the Father. You don't believe in virgin birth. It's amazing. But this man, Jesus, if you don't believe his virgin birth, believe in his resurrected life. Jesus beat death. It's the most historical fact of all history. There's more evidence to prove that Jesus walked out of the tomb than George Washington was our first president. And I mean that. Jesus beat death. That's why you should follow him. He's the only one that beat death. He's the only one that has the moral authority to say to you, follow me. Do what I say. Follow me. Watch what I do. Do what I do. Do this, and you will have a solid foundation in your life. So, step one is choosing whom you will follow. You've got to choose whom you're going to follow to build a solid foundation in your life. And next, you've got to do what he says. See, the foolish, Jesus says, hear, but they, don't, they fail to obey. They hear, but they fail to obey. 
The message translation, one verse of what we've already read, he says this, why are you so polite with me, Jesus is saying. Why, why are you always saying, yes, sir, and that's right, sir, but never doing the thing I tell you. These words I speak to you are not mere additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundation words, words to build a life on. You can't add Jesus into your life. You can't add on church into your life. It actually needs to become your life. Jesus needs to be your life. To really understand what Jesus is saying, he's saying, you might have to scrap everything and start over with me. Depending on where you've come from and what you've been taught and what you've been, you might have to start all over. We can't treat Jesus as some kind of new cool add-on. Any HGTV fans in here, right? Some, all right, some of you are not raising your hand. You, you, you didn't raise your hand on Animal House. You're not going to raise your hand. Some of you guys in here, well, anyway, let me get to the point. The point is this, that we used to have cable at our house, but we got rid of it because we felt that like, you pay $80 for television, you're like, I've got to watch it. And sometimes I didn't want to watch TV, but I was paying $80 for it. So I had to watch it, right? So we don't have it anymore. So when we go away, like we did this past week, uh, a lot of the hotel rooms, they have, you know, uh, HGTV on there. And so, you know, it's beautiful outside. There's a beach out there. What are we doing? We're watching HGTV, right? We're getting, getting our, uh, our binging out on that stuff. And, 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 and sometimes they come into these homes and they're so poorly built, they just got to like almost start over, like just go all the way. And sometimes they're even replacing the foundation. The point is this, that, that we know this is so important that, our lives are built on a solid foundation. And, and, and you have to do that. You have to say, listen, I hear what you're saying and I'll obey it. If I don't, I'm just, being, I'm just being foolish. Look, coming to church doesn't save anyone. I know you're disappointed. This is one of those moments when you go, I say, aren't you glad you came? But it's true. Just coming to church won't save you. You have to hear and obey. We did a series years ago called Not a Fan. Anybody here uh, remember not a fan? Some of you still have the bumper stickers. And um, in that not a fan, we talked about two types of people. We talked about people who were on the field, who were actually playing the game. You know, they're, they're out there working. They're following the coach's directions. They're trying to win the game. And there's a bunch of people in the stands going, Woo! Praise Jesus! Woo! Go! Team, go! But they're not doing anything. They're just eating popcorn, you know, watching the show. A follower is what Jesus is calling for. Now, we all know John 3.16, for God so loved the world, right? He gave his only one begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. But what about John 3.36? There's this interesting thing they teach you in Bible college. That verse 36 follows 16. Woo! Isn't that amazing? All right, so John 3.36 says this, He who believes in the Son has eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Look, if this is your first time to Cornerstone, this is a tough message to hear because what we're saying is you actually have to obey what Jesus is doing to find eternal life. Is obedience required in the salvation experience? The answer is yes, yes, a thousand times over, yes. Mental assent saves no one. Even the demons believe in Jesus. But that does not save them. And so 
there's a false teaching that's prevalent in the world today, in churches today, and that is that you can accept Jesus, but making Him Lord of your life is optional. I believe in Jesus. He's a cool guy. I love how He loved people. But I'm not going to do everything He said because Jesus says that's not an option. Jesus says, I am Lord. Kyrios is the Greek word, which is where we get our word king. It means king, boss, ruler. And Jesus says, I'm going to be Lord or I'm not going to be anything. I'm either Lord of your life or I'm just an outside figure in your life. But I, if you're going to follow me, you've got to make me Lord of your life. Because you see, he goes, there is a storm coming. And the only way you can survive is by obeying my teachings. Here's the forecast. 100% chance of a storm. For everyone. But I have hope, Jesus says, for you that you won't be swept away if you obey what I teach. So how does one put these words into practice? The wise here and they practice obedience. It is hard to be a Christian. It's just stinking hard. Have you really tried to do what Jesus says? Have you really tried to practice obedience? <clears throat> Let me remind you that we are reading from the Sermon on the Plain. Jesus preached this sermon multiple times in multiple locations. Another time he preaches this sermon recorded in Matthew, it's called Sermon on the Mount. It was a different location. This was Sermon on the Plain, right? Uh, and so Jesus is, is presenting some new information and repeating some information and maybe not repeating all the information and repeating Matthew. But there are some things that stand out in both of these sermons. And here's what they are. He says, love your enemies. Do good those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Do not retaliate. Give freely. Treat others the way you want to be treated. This is the worst sermon. I've ever read in my whole life. I hate it. And you, if you're honest, hate it too. Because when you read it, you look at this and you go, there's no way I'm that guy or girl. How do I do that? I'll tell you what I do to those who mistreat me. I tell them what they shortchange me on. I let them know that when they were my server, they stunk and I'm not tipping them. When they cuss me out, when I cut them off going down 29, trying to get to work on time, and they flip me the Hawaiian peace symbol, I, you know what I told them? If I had a gun, I'd blow your head off. I mean, think about it. We, all these movies, I watched The Shooter last night. I don't know if any Shooter fans in here, but it's an old movie. Uh, and, and, and it's just one of those movies and a long list of movies. It's all about getting even. We live in a world of getting even, retaliating. Something bad happens in the world. We're going to put it on Facebook. Here's how mad I am. And nobody cares, right? What a ridiculous waste of time, right? What a ridiculous way. I'm going to Twitter out this, how angry I am. Because I'm retaliating. Jesus says, look, this is what you have to do to be my follower. Now, I have good news. God will do the heavy lifting if we'll simply make the attempt to obey. You're like, there's no way you can do that. Exactly. There is no way that anyone in this room can do that. But by the grace of God and by the Spirit who lives in every believer, you can do 
that eventually. We're even promised that those who remain faithful to the end will become like Him. We will become like Jesus. This is the vision for Cornerstone, that we are a transforming community, that we are trying to become like Jesus so that we can be the best possible humans in the world, so that we can affect the world in the best possible way. We believe that. We believe you can actually change. We believe that you can get to the point where you're not always retaliating, where you stop retaliating. We're actually blessing those who curse you, that you're actually loving your enemies. That would make for some really boring movies, right? But they would be encouraging, right? And, and so anyway, our job is, is just to attempt. Just It's like the story I heard Kyle Ottoman tell one time in a story long time ago. They were moving his daughter from one room to another room. She had a, uh, she had a desk, a coloring desk, and it was rather heavy, a uh, wooden desk, and uh, she wanted to move it. And so uh, it, had a, it had a tall part on it, and she's down low, and she's pushing at the bottom, and Dad's at the top. And as they push out of one room across the carpeted floor into the other room, she says, Look, Daddy, I'm pushing my desk. Daddy was pushing the desk. She couldn't see Daddy, but Daddy was doing all the heavy lifting. And that's the way it is for us. We just have to decide, yes, that's how I want to live. I want to be that person. And God's like, okay, put your hands on the desk, but I'll be the strength behind moving it. I'll be the one. So our job is just to, just to make the attempt. And then when you're doing that, when you're living this way, you are building your life on bedrock. You're building your life on bedrock. And you won't be swept away when the storms come. So each of us have a dream, right? We all have dreams. A dream without a to-do list is a wish list. It just never will happen. Um, James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. James is the Lord's half-brother. And he comes to this realization that you actually have to obey what Jesus has taught. And he teaches that. Over, if you've never read James, you need to read it. It's a very great, encouraging book, but it's so challenging. It's so it's simple to understand, but yet so challenging to do what James is talking about. Listening is not doing. But God can take the smallest of beginnings and have the greatest outcome. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, a little boy comes to Jesus and says, I've got two loaves and some fish. Here's what I've got, Lord. The guy's like, uh, yeah, I can feed 5,000 with that. Actually, 15,000. God can take the smallest of efforts and multiply it to do the most amazing things. This is why I love being part of the church. Because I get to see these stories when people show up so messed up because, come on, be honest. Let's just all be honest. It was true for me when I showed up here. I was just so messed up. But... It, God uses our messed up lives, and he says, I, how bad is it? There's no one beyond my ability to help. Here's what I'm going to do. And so we see these lives transforming. These, we hear these stories of amazing change because people went from just being on a wish list to say, I'm going to do this. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I know this is the next thing I need to do, obey. And so I'm asking you to start somewhere. I was reading this sermon and it's like, okay, what am I going to do? And I said to myself, self, don't do that aloud in public. 
They call people. <laughs> I'm going to memorize this sermon. So it's like 18 verses, something like that, right? So, uh, like, you want to join me? Let's, let's memorize. Sermon on the Plain. It's one of the shorter sermons. It's a good one to say. Oh, you're still on the, I, I remember Jesus wept. That's the verse I'm starting. Okay, Jesus wept. All right, start there. But start somewhere. Start by hiding God's word into your heart. Maybe you need to start about really seriously saying, I need to make Jesus Lord of my life. He's been my friend. I want him to be my savior. But making him king, mm-mm. I've never done, I've never really thought that out. I really want to make him the leader in my life. And I actually want to do what he says. And so, I don't know where you're at on making a step forward, but you need to take a step forward if you're actually going to see change in your life. You have to say no to something before you can say yes to Jesus. You can't add Jesus on. You can't tack him on. You can't put a pin on your vest or a badge on your shirt or whatever, a tat on your body. He's got to become your life. That's crazy, Bob. That's crazy, preacher. But that's what Jesus is saying. I really have to become your all in all. Surrendering to Jesus is not easy, but it is amazing what will happen. So back to Robert Leon Davis. He wrote a book called Running Scared. It's a great book. It is a great story. Uh, Look him up and hear his story. Uh, But uh, he says, One day in the woods, I received a revelation from God and decided to surrender. First to God, and then to law enforcement. So what happened was, he goes and he lives in the woods of Montreal. Sometimes he comes down to the Smokies. Sometimes he would go over to Illinois and some other places. And he would just live isolated, uh, moving around so he wouldn't be caught for 22 years. He lived that way. Never contacting his family, you know, just living all by himself out in the woods. When he left New Orleans, he was an atheist. But the words Aunt Tessie spoke over him when he was a child kept ringing in his mind. Parents, grandparents, quote and read scripture to your children over and over again. As many times as you tell them to clean the room, make sure you're reading the Bible to them too. Help them hide God's word in their heart. Well, this became the very echo of God in his life. And so he comes to this point in his life, through a couple other circumstances he talks about in the book, he comes to this point in his life where he's like, I think God might actually be real. So he starts testing God, and God puts up with it. God puts up with a lot. <laughs> Have you looked in the mirror lately, right? So, um, <laughs> so I'm so offended. Well, <laughs> come on. We're all a piece of work sometimes, right? Anyway, he takes an empty Maxwell coffee can and he puts a rock on top of the can upside down and he says, Lord, if you're real, God, if you're real, when I wake up, that rock won't be there. It'll be inside the can. So he goes to bed. He wakes up. First thing in the morning, what's he do? He looks at the can. The rock is not on top of the can. You know the first thing he did? Peed himself right there. Right there. Yep. I would too. I'm like, whoa. You know, and, and so here's what God did is God, God p- permitted that. He permitted that request. He had been testing God some other ways. Here's the point. 
In that moment, he knew God was for real. And in that moment, he knew there was something that he had to do. He had to go back and confess and turn himself in. So that's exactly what he did. He went back to New Orleans, went into the police department. He said, here I am. They said, we don't have record on you on our computer. He's like, I didn't think you would. There weren't computers when I left here. So he took him across the street to the courthouse. They dusted off some files. They found his file, most wanted, right? And uh, he says, I'm this guy. And he says, well, you certainly are. You're wanted. Okay, let's go to court. So he goes before the judge. Now, here's the interesting thing. The judge that, w- that, that, that first was part of his case desperately wanted to uh, prosecute him, see him go behind bars for the crimes that he did, and he deserved it. But this judge, who had hardly ever been sick, was sick for two weeks. The two weeks during that time when he came back. And he had a different judge just for that one moment. There, one moment, the different judge comes up. And that judge, uh, she reads this case and it says, he says uh, she says, Mr. Robert Leon Davis, it looks to me like you've imprisoned yourself 20 years in the woods all by yourself. I'm going to count that as good. You're not going to jail. Now look, the storm Robert was facing was called the consequences of choice. That was the name of that storm. But this time, he was on bedrock. The teachings of God to come and confess and be honest with what you've done in your life. And he survived the storm. Not just survived, but ends up going all over the world telling his story, writes a book and donates all the proceeds to battered women and neglected children. God wastes no pain. Some of you are in some really painful situations, or you've been through it, and you've never confessed or talked about it. You're going to keep writhing in that pain until you open up to God and others, doesn't have to be everyone, to others, and begin to process that. You really need to do that. And God will take our obedience and do something great with it. And so, here's the moral of the story. Obey Jesus and overcome. There it is. Obey Jesus and overcome. There is a 100% chance that a storm is going to come into our life. And if we live long enough, it will be multiple storms. Every one of us is going to face storms. But we need not be swept away if we have built our life on obeying Jesus' words in our life. We don't need to be swept away. It might feel like you're going to be swept away. It might feel like this is the most worst thing that ever happened to me. But I'm telling you, if you'll just stick with Jesus, it could be the most amazing story ever told, like Robert Leon Davis. And so Jesus wants to be our leader. He wants to speak into our life. And you and I can build a wonderful, abundant life. It may not be perfect in the eyes of some people. You know, we may not have riches and all that. But it could be abundant. It could be a life full of joy. It could be a a life full of meaning, full of content. That when we come to the end of it, we're like, it has been good to walk with the Lord. (laughs) And then, and then there's that day. There's that day when we walk into the Savior's arms and He says, Well done, my good 
and faithful servant. <laughs> I'm looking for. Are you looking forward to that? What in the world? We don't need to be swept away by the mess. We can stand strong. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this awesome sermon and parable. And Father, to be completely honest, it just really intimidates me at multiple levels because I don't see myself I don't see myself always doing what Jesus has told me to do. Before, Father, here's what I'm asking. I'm asking you to be with all of us as we say, hey, Daddy, watch me push the desk. Just help us to put our hands to the plow and not look back, knowing that the one who's really driving it is you. And Father, I pray for the person in this room or in the listening of this on, on Internet or whatever. I pray that they would understand that no matter what pain they have been in, you can do amazing things with painful stories. All we have to do is look at the cross. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would help us obey. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Thank you for joining us. You can find us on the web at cornerstonechatham.org.